0: Well, uh, the title of my uh, lesson this morning is uh, Man's Toil and Christ's Work. Since Angie and I got back from vacation uh, at the beginning of June, the last several weeks of work have just been awful. It's been just one of those seasons of not, not good, lots of things going on. And then uh over the past week uh my former unit chief, um, she would have been the supervisor over my supervisor, she just retired this this uh uh earlier this year. She and her husband were hiking in Alaska and tried to cross the river, got swept away and drowned. It's just been a, a real um vexing time at work um for multiple reasons and so Uh, Just trying to make sense of all that uh, led me into Ecclesiastes, and um, so I wanted to focus on Ecclesiastes too. Uh, You know, there's certain times when, during your life, uh, when you approach certain milestones, and this year is a certain age milestone for me, and so it makes you think of, what you're doing career wise and all this sort of stuff and the toils. And, and so uh, I just thought it was very fitting. So if we'll turn to Ecclesiastes 2, beginning with verse 18, I'll read 18 through 23. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun, because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. This, this was a great description of me over the last several weeks. Just that that vexation. The in the night, the heart does not rest. You know, these things are going on. And so, digging deeper into it, uh, if we look at verses 18 through 19, it um where it says, I hated all my toil, in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. Everything we do today will be given over to someone in the future. And the vexing part about that is, will they use it wisely or squander it? I was thinking about uh our previous house we had. We had this butterfly garden of, of uh, native uh, flowers and grasses and things like that. And Angie and I drove two and a half hours to buy all these plants, two and a half hours one way to go buy all these plants. And I spent just days, and me and Angie and the girls, we just spent days nurturing this. And, and, you know, you'd have one little plant, and you'd just baby it and baby it, and finally it was taken over. You know, it was just finally, after years, it was starting to look like something, and it was just beautiful, and we enjoyed it. And, you know, that was a selling part of our house. We took pictures of that, you know, all these butterflies and everything. And we sell the house. And it's the new owners. It's theirs to do what they will with it. And um, not too long ago, I drove, you know, I was in the neighborhood. And I'm like, oh, I'll drive past the house and see what it looks like, you know. It's mowed over. There's wood and junk piled up where my beautiful flower garden used to be. And it's like all of that work... All of that work, all that nurturing, and it's gone. It's gone. You know, I put all of that into it. You know, why? And so, you know, will they use it wisely or squander it? In my mind, they squandered it. You know, it was such a beautiful thing, and it's gone now. Uh, so then, thinking of that, and then looking at verses 20 through 21, um, I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. So again, uh, a couple of weeks ago I was out with a forester and we're, we're looking at trees and they're saying, you know, this tree needs to be done this way and, and this and that. And the whole concept of of doing all this work we're we're out on my my parents' property Um, we've got to cut these trees down to allow these other ones to grow and the reality is the work you do today, tomorrow in this situation the benefit won't be realized for another 50 to 100 years we're doing something that in our lifetimes we will never benefit from and it's this it's like, is it really worth all this work and effort that, sure, that's for the good of the, the property there, but I'm never going to realize any of that. You know, I'm putting in a lot of work. And so you're you're sitting there wondering, is it even worth it? You know, is it worth investing the time and the money into doing that? So, again, another thing that's vexing. It's just It just doesn't make sense there. So that leads us to verse 22 and 23. And... Um, focusing on 23 again, For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. So the natural progression of all of this, of all this investing in the here and now, is sorrow, despair, and vexation. It's moving us in that direction. Whenever you really sit, sit and ponder about it, sure, it brings you some, some short-term um, benefits, but whenever you're looking at it in in... Uh, in terms of eternity, it's meaningless. And so it's driving you to this this level of sorrow, despair, and vexation. Essentially, there's no rest in it. You're like, I'm going to work and work and work, and every day I'm going to work, I'm going to work, I'm going to work, I'm going to work. Where is the rest in that? And it's moving you along in this direction. And so what direction is it moving us into? Well, let's look at Ecclesiastes 3, 9. So we're moving from the vanity of toil to man's toil as God's gift. In Ecclesiastes 3, 9 through 14, what gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. So we're moving from this, this vexation, this... this almost depressing look at, at our toil and it's showing us even more so that essentially this is busy work. And I know that's a kind of a negative connotation, especially for students or, you know, you just hate busy work. But it says that God has given the business, given to the children of man to be busy with. He's given this to us to be busy with. Well, why? Why has he given us this to be busy with? Well, he's also given us a taste of eternity. So we have this thing that we're busy with that is temporal. But we also know in our hearts that there's an eternity. And so it's working against it. And, and it's that's that's why we're vexed on this. That's why we, we have this um, sorrow and despair over it. It's struggling within. Why do we constantly struggle against thorns and thistles? Why do we strive to leave things a little better than what we found it? And the reality is, since the curse, um, I believe Charles had, had quoted that song about we've got to get back to the garden, we have this sense of needing to make things perfect again, needing to get back to, to Eden. Okay, And so our busy work is showing us that the world is fallen, and we're continually working on it to make it a little less fallen, if you will. The weeds are growing, so you've got to go cut the weeds down. The thorn trees are growing up. You've got to cut those and treat the stumps. You've got to do all this work. And it's a continual reminder of this fallen world and that there's an eternity there and that something is not right. So if we look at 12 and 13, it says, I perceive that there is nothing better for them to be than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is a gift to man. So we have nothing better than to enjoy our toil, and that's God's gift to us. So how is toil a gift? How is this toil and labor a gift to man? And how do we take joy and comfort in it? It, it seems to me, uh, somebody that used to work in my office, he always put those little cartoons up on his... Uh, on his little window of his cubicle, you know, about, uh, like, Dilbert and stuff like that, about office settings. And one of his cartoons said, uh, from the management, uh, the beatings will continue until morale improves. <laughs> and it almost seems as that's, you know, you you read that and in your flesh, you're reading how on earth is toil a gift from God? Oh, you know, how can that be? Well, it answers it. It says, I perceive that whatever God does endures forever, nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it, so that people fear before him. So this toil all the time it reminds us that everything we do here on earth is temporary. Those things are temporary in nature, but what God does is eternal. Our work is a temporary nature but it's pointing us to a reality of God's work, which is, which is eternal. Our physical work that we're toiling and toiling and never getting anywhere with should remind us of trying to spiritually work for eternity, trying to spiritually cleanse ourselves, trying to do it on our own, that the works of ourself, and that should drive us to fear God because it shows us That only what God does is eternal. So, what is that eternal work? Is it the creation of the heavens and the earth? No. Actually, all that's going to be uncreated one day. It's going to burn. It's not going to last forever. We know the earth is not going to last forever. It's falling apart every day. Uh, We know the stars aren't going to last forever. We see them fall out of the sky. So, it's not... His his creation isn't that eternity. Yeah, the mountains are gonna last longer than you and longer than you and I, but it's not gonna last forever. It's his spiritual work. It's eternity. It's 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 the metaphysical that's eternal. So what is that? Let's look at Christ's work. That's where it should be pointing us. So if we turn to Matthew eleven Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It says right here that God has hidden truth from the wise. So in the flesh, human toil is seen as vanity. You can't see it as anything but vanity. You work an entire career, you retire, and three months later, you die in some tragic accident. That's how the world sees it. It, it, It's just meaningless. It's vanity. But to those who he's revealed his truth, who humbly cast their toils at his feet, it's seen as much more. It's seen as as pointing them to the work of Christ. If we look at verse 27... It says, God has given, it says, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. God has given the real toil to Christ. He gave him the work. He gave him the work of living a perfect life. He gave him the work of dying on the cross for our sins. Everything is finished in him. All of our toils are to point to that reality that the work is finished in Christ. And then that should point us to this reality. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We find true rest, joy, peace, satisfaction, all of those things that our our human toils are trying to gather, we find that in his work, in Christ's redemptive work. Well, What does that mean? What what does that mean, uh, relying on his work and resting in him? Well, if we turn to Hebrews four, seven through ten, I think this is just a. Here's an oxymoron: a general specific call. <laughs> here's a call. This is this is this is finding rest in Christ. It says again, he points a certain day, today, saying through David, so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered, God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. How do we find rest in Christ? How How do you find rest in him? It says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So to the unbeliever who's struggling under the yoke of his daily work and can't find the meaning in it, today, today, if you hear his voice, call on him. Do not harden your hearts. Call on Christ. That's that's the answer. And then the practical application is Christ will give you the answer. You dig into his word, you, you surround yourself with believers, and you start to see the reality through the lens of the Bible, and you start to see your toils as what they really are, as pointing you to Christ where your real rest is. For the believer, the believer, the, the mom at home struggling to, to take care of the, the kids that are being disobedient and, and just wondering if anything they do, do is, is mattering in their lives, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Pray, fall down on your knees, pray. It doesn't have to be anything more than help. Yeah. It, and and he is he is able and ready to save, to bring that help to you, to to bring a verse up to your mind, to to have a cherished loved one call you and check on you. It, Right there, hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. To the, to the father who is working 60 hours a week and just not getting it, not, not seeing where it's leading. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Look to his word. Look to your brothers in the church. Lean on them. That's where it is. It's, it's pointing you to the reality that Christ's work is has finished, and his yoke is light, and rest is truly in him, and that's where we'll find it, so as you get ready to go out back into the uh, work week, uh, I hope that these words will help you in that, that we are toiling for a reason, we're toiling because it's preparing us for the reality, the reality of eternity. And, and that's what it is. It, it isn't vanity for the believer because it's preparation for the believer.